This is Hashtag History episode 106. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And I usually like to generally, once a season, kind of switch things up a bit and read off our typical outro Mm -hmm. in the intro. Okay. Not everyone listens through the complete end of the podcast, which is totally okay. Yep. I oftentimes cut out before the end of some of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, you do you. You do you, but if you do do you, um, you actually miss out on some important information. So I thought we would just run through it here. Yes. Uh, Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast. Uh, we also have a website. We always mention that at the end of our episodes. It is hashtag history dash pod dot com. We mention it because that's where you can find all of the sources we use to put together the episodes. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, uh, you know, information about us on there. And we also have our merchandise on there which is something something's coming which is something you may want to keep your eye on yeah anyway Uh, yeah and then there's patreon yes for only a dollar a month Mm -hmm. you can sponsor us be a patron of us if you will sponsor our uh books and booze supply and uh we mail you cards and stickers you get exclusive access to special content that we post on there and it's just a good time it is a good time yeah and then the final thing uh another way that you can support and sponsor the podcast is by making a donation to our cocktails you can sponsor a cocktail you can do that uh, both on our website you can find a link or you can find a link in our bio on instagram and that is where you just do like a one-time payment just sponsor a cocktail and we give you a shout out on the episode and we give you a shout out on instagram that week when we try out the cocktail yep and that's it i just want to make sure yeah i just want to make sure that i did our little outro in the intro so you don't miss anything exactly we want you all to be connected and involved and engaged and as involved and engaged as you want to be as you wish to be yeah we are not forcing you here this is not a dictatorship All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's get to the episode. Yes. And I'm going to keep with the woman power theme from last week's episode. Uh, uh, Woman power. Woman power. Not not someone I want to be friends with. No, certainly not like uh, aspiring, inspiring woman power, but just like that she was a woman and she had power. Yeah. Okay. Keeping up with that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to tell my own story about an incredible trailblazing woman that definitely made history awesome this week we are discussing katherine switzer the first woman to officially run the boston marathon very cool when she did this in 1967 let's just say that men were not ready for women to have this much equality okay so stupid because during the race the race manager jock semple assaulted her by running up behind her and attempting to rip her bib number off of her shirt in order to disqualify her from the race. Mm. Switzer's boyfriend was running alongside her and was able to shove Semple to the ground and Switzer was able to finish the race. Okay, great. So Switzer proved that women too can run marathons and that they deserve the opportunity to compete in events equal to that of men, right? Right. Wrong. Oh. Because following this incident, the Amateur Athletic Union, the governing body, would officially ban women from competing in long-distance running until 1972. Mm-hmm. Although we will be spending a lot of time talking about this infuriating setback in history, I do want to give a sneak peek to the ending so that we can all at least look forward to the eventual light at the end of the tunnel. Good. I feel like right now I need that. Thanks. I was going to say the same. I think us as, as women... 
in America need this. Yeah. Switzer would continue to run competitively and would even win the New York City Marathon in 1974. She would be named Female Runner of the Decade by Runner's World magazine. She became an author. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2011. She would actually end up becoming good friends with the race manager that tried to kick her out of the race. Wow, that's a forgiving person. And finally, in 2017, on the 50th anniversary of running the Boston Marathon, that first time around, Switzer would run the race again for the ninth time this time. And she would be assigned the same bib number that she had when she ran in that first monumental groundbreaking time time in 1967 see yeah i feel better a little better i feel better thank you i I think i know something that'll make us feel even better so much better want to try a cocktail always Always. (laughs) i'm rachel and i'm leah and this is hashtag history the podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. This week's cocktail was generously sponsored by Woman in Time, who is the host of the Broadly Underestimated podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that is another great podcast to listen to if you need a little female empowerment at a time such as this. Yeah. So for this week, I had to turn to my old trusty 1935 edition of the old Mr. Boston Bartender Guide, which my grandmother gave to me. And it's actually like from 1935. I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. And I hope it's for obvious reasons because Boston. O- old Mr. Boston. Mm-hmm. Boston. I-, I followed. Okay. Yeah. Just had to lay that groundwork <laughs> for us here. And to make this week even more Boston-y, mm. I found in the old Mr. Boston guide, the Boston Sidecar cocktail. Ooh. Yeah. Now, my 1935 edition was a completely different list of ingredients from the 1984 version, which outlines the recipe with like brandy and rum and triple sec, which actually sounds pretty good. Mm -hmm. But we will, however, be going with the OG 1935 edition with the original recipe, which so interesting. I know, which includes gin, equal parts gin, apricot liqueur and lemon juice. Okay totally different drink completely like ingredients i'm not sure when or why the heck this drastic change happened in the ingredients so if anyone knows like i am curious i even went on the old mr boston website and wanted to see if they like had anything and it's interesting because they have you can click a button that shows the 1935 recipe and a button that shows the 1980 Mm -hmm. whatever 84 recipe Mm -hmm. and they were the different recipes and i'm like why but though why? but why that is so fascinating yeah if anyone knows let us know i wonder if our friend tux from beyond reproach oh, he's yeah. really good with like food and cocktail history oh my god so maybe good. he would know i want to i'm gonna ask him yeah well personally uh, this is our this is us asking yeah hi tux <laughs> hey tux let us know <laughs> please all right yeah let's do it Cheers. it's strong sour it's that lemon juice it's equal parts lemon juice that's a lot of lemon juice I, I like sour things. It's really sour. It's really sour. I would do a little less lemon juice. And I don't really taste the apricot. I'm not sure how I feel because I do actually really like sour things. What's your rating on this one? It's like a six. I might go five. Yeah. It's fine. I, I, I like gin now. Like, guys. Yeah, you do. I like gin. 
Like Welcome. I drink gin by choice Ooh, often. Season eleven. Yeah, we're here. We're you're here. <laughs> I am here. You the the map says you are here, not we are here. <laughs> you are here. Yeah. No, I I like it because I like gin. Um, it's a little too lemony, and honestly, maybe it's because I made my own apricot liqueur instead of going out and buying it. I was trying to be fancy and cheap. Yeah, um, that's us. Fancy and, and I happen cheap. to already have apricots. Nico's parents brought some over from their backyard or whatever, so I was like. I should just do this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a cocktail. It's a sour cocktail. That's really all I have to say about it. Yeah. It, it tastes like alcohol and lemon simultaneously, and that's about it. Yep. But not in like a great way, but not in like a bad way. Yeah. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it'd be better with actual apricot liqueur. I prefer it this way because the alternative was expensive. Yeah. I prefer it. And this. this is fine. It's fine. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Awesome. Uh, average of 5.5 <laughs> we're doing great we're, we're off to a great start <laughs> before we dive into the story of Catherine switzer i wanted to clarify something right up top in the intro i specified that switzer was the first woman to officially run the boston marathon yeah that distinction is important because one year before switzer's historic race there was actually another woman who was technically the first to run and compete in the Boston Marathon. She just didn't have a bib. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. This woman, who was named Bobby Gibb, did not officially run the... What? what? Bobby Gibb had Bobby no... Bobby Gibb. Bobby Gibb had, did, had no Bobby bib. Gibb had no bib. <laughs> Bobby Gibb had no bib. Oh, my God. Uh, Say that three times fast. Yeah, I can't. Cannot. Uh, Bobby Gibb did not officially run the race as a woman. And that's not to say she didn't try, though. When she submitted her application to the marathon, she received in response a letter from the race director telling her that women were, quote, not physiologically capable of running marathon distances, unquote. Wanna bet? I mean, I am not physiologically capable of running marathons. Yes, but we but do not. Others, sp- and others. we do not speak for all. Yeah, others, absolutely. We definitely do not speak for all. No. You see, at this time in 1966, the longest distance a woman could run competitively under rules set by the Amateur Athletic Union was one and a half miles, which speaking of what you and I can do, I feel like that's you and I can do that. Yeah. And that's about it. That's, uh, yeah, we've done a 5K. We've done five miles once. On I almost on accident. We thought it was a 5K. I thought you it, was, thought a it was a 5K. And then halfway through, I was like, this seems really long. And you were like, yeah, we have three more miles to yeah, go. I was like, that's because it is. <laughs> and it was a 4th of July run. So it was very oh, hot. Yeah. Weird timing. Weird timing. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we have accidentally done five miles before, but can <laughs> you, I mean, can you believe that though? Like that's one stupid. and a half miles is that's ridiculous because when I do actually go for runs, which is not often, it's generally around one to one and a half yeah, miles. Mine's just over a mile usually. So, and, and that's me. And that's the a person that hates running. Yeah. Can't really run. Does it to kill myself, I guess, <laughs> to torture myself, if you will. To feel better about yourself at right. the end of it. Uh-huh. And and I can do a mile. Yeah. yeah. And so to put those kind of barriers on women that were trying to compete. That's stupid. It's well, ridiculous. I mean, we know. We know. We know. This is where I should add, though, that, you know, even though the standard at this time was one and a half miles for women racing competitively, at this time, Gibb was running upwards of 40, 40 Which miles is more than a marathon. A day. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. But again, you know, women are not physiologically capable. No. 
And so when Gibb made the brave decision to follow through with racing in the Boston Marathon, she did not officially register, but instead snuck into the race when she jumped out of some bushes that were close to the starting line, disguised in her brother's Bermuda shorts and hoodie. Love that. Yes. There were many that recognized her as a woman during the race, and actually a lot of those people cheered her on. There were even news articles praising her for doing such a brave thing in a man's world. Mm-hmm. She would finish with a time of three hours, 21 minutes, and 40 seconds, which was faster than two-thirds of the other runners. But as for the race director, he entirely denied that Gibb could have possibly run the race. When asked, he said that she, quote, did not run in yesterday's marathon. There is no such thing as a marathon for a woman. She may have run in a road race, but she did not race in the marathon. I have no idea of this woman running. She was not at any of our checkpoints, and none of our checkers saw her. For all I know, she could have jumped in at Kenmore Square, unquote. I, I have no idea about this woman, except what she was wearing, where, what her time was, which was totally, I don't know anything about her, except just, her name and everything I've just outlined for you. And this is, uh, this is ridiculous. She did not run the marathon that she ran. She did not run it. The marathon, which, I do not which know she who ran. you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about. But it was a woman. Yes. And I did see her, but I don't know whom you speak of. Yeah. I, I completely agree. The entire <laughs> quote sounds very deflecting for someone that knew a lot of information. Yeah. <laughs> he said all of this despite the fact that there had been several eyewitnesses that saw her numerous times over the course of the race. Yeah. Gibb would run again the following year, the same year that Catherine Switzer ran and would also run in the years following. Gibb was amazing and could totally have an episode of her own. And while today's episode is about Catherine Switzer, I, of course, wanted to acknowledge those that paved the way for her and the first woman to actually run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Because Gibb did not officially register nor wear a runner's bib in her first race, she was not the first woman to officially run the Boston Marathon. Yeah. But she certainly deserves recognition for competing and dominating honestly, in an arena that she was technically not allowed to participate in, whether it be official or not. Nice. Okay, so back to Catherine Switzer. <laughs> Switzer was born in Germany to American parents on January 5th, 1947. Two years after her birth, her family returned to the United States. She would attend Lynchburg College and later Syracuse University, where she would seek permission from the men's running team to train alongside them. She was allowed to do so and began training under the assistant coach, Arnie Briggs. Briggs was a bit of a hater hmm. at first. He was convinced that marathons were not possible for women and that Switzer had no chance at ever running in one. After watching her run, though, he decided that, quote, if any woman could do it, you could. But you have to prove it to me. If you ran the distance in practice, I'd be the first to take you to Boston, unquote. So, thanks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's not one of those, like, backhanded compliments. Yeah, it's like, I guess you're good enough to do this, but, like, if any woman could, which they can't, it would be you. Yeah. Yeah. If you prove it to me, then maybe I'll consider thinking of you as an equal. But only you and no other Nobody women at else. all. Absolutely only you. Not. Yeah. Yeah. To really prove Briggs wrong, Switzer not only showed him that she could run the 26.2-mile marathon distance, <gasps> she also ran an additional five miles on top of that. 
Go, girl. And thus, Switzer registered for the 1967 Boston Marathon. When she filled out the application and wrote her signature, she did so as K.V. Switzer. Switzer said that she did this because it was always her common practice to sign her name as such. She said her name had even been misspelled on her birth certificate, which is not entirely surprising since the way she spells Catherine is not the standard way. Totally. Yeah, I just noticed that. Mm -hmm. So she had a common practice of simply signing with just her initials. When it was time to pick up her racer's bib with the number 261 on it, she had a male runner go and pick it up for her. She also further concealed her identity by wearing a hoodie the day of the race, although this hood would eventually slip off. Hmm. On the day of the race, Switzer had running alongside her both Arnie Briggs, her coach, and her boyfriend, Tom Miller. Was Tom Miller another like runner with that was training with her, I'm assuming? Yes. So I, that's actually perfect timing to ask a question like that uh, because things are different in this time period for the Boston Marathon. Like, could you and I do it? No, but but other people that like running at this time probably could have done it. Not not, nowadays. There are very strict and like people qualifying times like all around the world come and run the Boston Marathon and they're like the top runners from those countries or whatever. Back then, like you still had to be obviously a good runner. You're still running a marathon. Yeah. Um, But the, the, standards and like the qualifying times weren't really a thing back then so i think her boyfriend was a former football player so he's like athletic yeah i'm gonna assume that he was training for this but i I guess i don't really know that maybe he was just a generally athletic person that said here let me support you yeah like i said that was perfect timing to kind of talk about that because i want to talk about that although things are different now than they were then this is still not a simple race to compete in whatsoever it is 26.2 miles across various roads and weather conditions in boston massachusetts as the world's oldest annual marathon having begun in 1897 it is an incredibly prestigious marathon and one of the most well-known racing events around the world and you know like i was just saying of course today we know that there are very strict qualifying times that you must meet in order to even be allowed to compete Mm -hmm. with today's qualifications a 20 year old woman which is how old switzer was in 1967 would need to be able to run the marathon in under three hours and 30 minutes at the time of this particular race that we're discussing today there weren't really strict qualifications in fact it wouldn't be until 1970 that the aau would create specific qualifying times in a way to like really combat and reduce the exceedingly large number of people that were showing up to compete every year yeah the 1960s saw a large boom of contestants with 197 contestants in 1960 growing to over 1300 by 1969 yeah And so in 1970, the AAU stated that all contestants would have to be able to complete the course in under four hours. Despite the fact that there are more strict time qualifications nowadays than there were when Switzer, you know, first raced, it's still really important to acknowledge how talented she would have been in order to even compete in a marathon like this. And this is just a side note here. We were uh, off mic just speaking of (laughs) inflation Uh, (laughs) another way in which getting into the boston marathon has drastically changed between then and now when switzer registered for the race she had to pay a two dollar entrance fee which with today's inflation would be roughly 17 dollars and 50 cents that's pretty crazy how much 
inflation yeah changes 60s yes uh however today if you were to compete in the boston marathon you're actually looking at an entrance fee of anywhere between 200 and 250 dollars yeah anyway back to april 19th 1967 right great switzer reported that the first two miles of the race were rather pleasant with fellow racers actually supporting her when they spotted that she was indeed a woman but Around roughly the two-mile mark is when things started to go downhill. Switzer overheard the media truck alongside her with photographers in it shouting at her, asking, quote, What are you doing in the race? What are you trying to prove? Unquote. That I can run a race? Yeah. <laughs> like... That, that, that I like Literally to run and that exactly I'm good at it. what everybody else around me is trying to prove, that I can run a marathon. And I'm not disturbing anything? Yeah. Just, well, am, I, am I causing a disruption Am I here? hurting you or anyone around me? I'm literally running in sweatpants. Like, you'll, I mean, we'll look at the picture in a second. Like, she's not, like, being distracting in any kind of physical way either. She's dressed exactly as everyone else in the race is. She's competing at the level that everyone else in the race is. <sighs> Shortly thereafter, there was another bus that was pulling up alongside her, which had officials from the race in it, namely the race manager, a man named Jock Semple. Semple jumped out of the bus and ran towards Switzer. He ran up behind her and started tearing at her race bib, screaming, quote, get the hell out of my race and give me those numbers, unquote. I have to wonder if, obviously, women weren't allowed at the time. Mm-hmm. But was the fact that someone had just a woman had just run unofficially the year before, were they like extra like maybe extra vigilant or like this is not, a, you know, like yeah. aware and didn't want to repeat what yeah. didn't want to further embolden and empower women to compete because they, actually that's a great point that the year before the woman that had run had actually kind of because she hadn't been doing it officially so she didn't like disturb the piece too much yeah. right with the race but they brought attention to but it to, brought attention in, in almost a positive way yeah i can totally see that that yeah you don't want to continue to empower women to think they can do this yeah alongside men yeah <sighs> all right we're gonna look at some pictures here of when Semple jumped out of the bus and yeah. assaulted i'm pretty sure i've seen these photos yeah mm-hmm so in looking at these pictures, that's simple, obviously, that's assaulting her. Yeah. And on the far right, 390, that's the boyfriend. Okay. And he's like, what the f***? Mm-hmm. And then you can see in the rest of them. Yeah, kind of the, this is the photo I've seen. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the older guy off is her, her shoulder coach. is her coach. Yep. And he's, he's like pushing uh, Semple um, off of her and she's just trying to mm-hmm. flip and run. And again, then it looks like her boyfriend's coming. This is like, it's like a play-by-play, really. And the next photo, the boyfriend is coming in from the other side being like, get off of her. Mm -hmm. And then again, another angle where he's trying to get the bib off her. He's he's clearly like, like she's she's being pushed forward. Her hair's like up. It's not like he's just, oh, kind of, uh, let me just take this number. Like, it's aggressive. It's physical yeah he's a- attacking her essentially yeah. as seen in the picture simple attempted to rip the race bib off of switzer but her boyfriend who like i previously mentioned was a pretty beefy former football player shouldered yeah. simple yeah briggs switzer's coach that had been running alongside her told her to keep running to get away and as she began running she became angry with simple well, yeah and with the aau And with the whole system that confines women and tells them that they cannot achieve the same things that men can. Did a little bit of myself come out in that? Oh my gosh, (laughs) weird. (laughs) 
Switzer said she turned to her coach and said, quote, I'm going to finish this race on my hands and knees if I have to, Mm -hmm. because if I don't finish this race, nobody's going to believe women can do it. And they're not going to believe women deserve to be here. I have to finish this race, unquote. And that she did. Hey everyone, we are so excited to share with you about Macy's Wine Shop. Yes, it is that Macy's. Macy's has launched their very own wine shop, which includes full-size, delicious wines curated by their experts coming from renowned wine regions, which include our home state of California and beyond. You can select exactly what type of wine you are looking for. Do you love reds? Do you love whites? Maybe a little bit of both? You can make these personalized selections quickly and easily through the Macy's Wine Shop. What makes Macy's Wine Shop better than any other online wine club is that they deliver quality wines at unmatched price points, all within one to three business days. Seriously, I ordered my wine on a Monday and had already received them by that following Wednesday. And with our link, you get $50 off a six bottle box of Macy's award-winning wines, which is a $95 retail value. Head to the show notes of this episode to access the discount code, or you can head to our Instagram to find the link in our bio. Cheers. Switzer would finish the race in approximately four hours and 20 minutes. She was met by hordes of the media who hounded her with questions about her motives. Was she a suffragette? A crusader? What was she trying to prove? For Switzer, she was emboldened by these comments. She told reporters, quote, We'll be back, and we'll be back again and again. And if our club is banned, we'll form a new club, unquote. To one member of the media that told her she would never run again after this incident, she said, quote, Someday you're going to read about a little old lady who's 80 years old who dies in Central Park on a run. And I said, it's going to be me. I'm going to run for the rest of my life, unquote. Switzer and those horrendous pictures of Semple assaulting her would make headlines in the newspapers. How flippin' embarrassing for Semple. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, in in hindsight, like, that's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Because the thing is, too, just every time I look at those pictures, it's not like she's running out there in a bikini. No. Which well, if she was whatever like she can run out there butt naked but she she's being respectful of the race she is dressed exactly as everyone around her is dressed she is not being disruptive in any way the only difference between her and the person running next to her is that she has boobs yeah it's it's embarrassing if not for her for no him just to think that that was the way to go about it yes that's a weird and embarrassing like i'm embarrassed (laughs) for him that's a weird reaction you're right it's to be so, like, oh, I, I'm gonna go get her bib. Yeah, I'm gonna, and that 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 would change things. Yeah, that doesn't change anything. No, he he physically assaulted her, and yeah. it got blasted on newspapers. In response to this monumental incident, the AAU made a formal statement officially barring women from competing in marathons. Another embarrassing move, and yeah, another not great one. The Boston Athletic Association director, Will Cloney, had a particularly awful quote in response to all this. Are you ready for Uh, it? As ready as I ever will be. (laughs) We're already beaten down. Just beat me. What's one more punch? (laughs) 
What's one more punch to the uterus? It's fine. All right. Uterus is ready. Yeah. Coloni said, quote, women can't run in the marathon because the rules forbid it. Unless we have rules, society <laughs> will be in chaos. True. I don't make the rules, but I try to carry them out. We have no space in the marathon for any unauthorized person, even a man. If that girl were my daughter, I would spank her. Unquote. <laughs> First of all, I like how he's like, we don't have room for any unauthorized person, even a man, although she was registered, did have a bib and was actually like, although she was authorized officially in the race. Yeah, it, we have no space for unauthorized persons, also authorized females. Yes. No space. No space for them. Because by default, females are unauthorized. I would spank her. Ew. I would spank her. She's a 20-year-old woman. <laughs> Gross. Horrible. Switzer received her fair share of hate mail following the marathon. To provide a more recent quote from Switzer and to really give context to the time period that we're talking about here, it's important to note that, quote... The perceptions of women back when I was running, amazingly enough, just 53 years ago, were that you were going to get big legs, grow hair on your chest, your uterus was going to fall out. <laughs> Sorry, what? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have things to say about that, but I'll yeah. continue with the quote. Uh, it continues. And it was widely perceived that it was really quite socially objectionable for women to participate in sports because they looked arduous. It looked like they were trying hard. They were sweating. And of course, most women were frightened of that image because their whole being was about being feminine and attracting the opposite sex and being accepted. I thought they were missing out on this wonderful sense of speed and strength and really empowerment, unquote. My thoughts on, I mean, I have so many thoughts. I have so many thoughts. But the main one that I will say is that it's interesting that the social belief from men at this time was that things like running, another one, a very historic one was like women riding bikes, things like that would cause the uterus to would would disturb the uterus despite the fact that they the most traumatic thing you're reading my mind ever you're reading my mind every person who gives birth goes like yeah the, the uterus, the uterus goes, through trauma. goes through trauma and is built to do so it's built to do that and, and it's built to recover and be able to do it again and again uh, yeah i mean that's exactly you read my but mind no, running will make it fall out but please birth 18 children yes because that is totally fine yeah but getting on a bike that's like really gonna cause some damage it's gonna just fall right on out it's really gonna fall out <laughs> it's like that's the thing with sexism is it doesn't make sense no it just doesn't make sense you know what i mean yeah. it's like if we weren't contradicting ourselves and and being hypocritical the whole time I'll hear you out. Yeah. Um, but but you're stupid. <laughs> like, stupid. Stupid. Nothing you're saying makes sense. Yeah. For all the hate mail Switzer received, she also received a lot of love from women around the world that found her inspiring. And finally, five years after this harrowing event in 1972, the Boston Marathon established its first official women's race. The following year, Switzer would come face to face with Simple again. But this time, he pulled her in for an embrace and turned her towards the camera for, in his words, quote, a bit of notoriety, unquote. 
I don't actually like this. I feel like he's just using her for a, a nice picture. picture, like a to get into the media, mm-hmm. but this time on a good note. And this picture would later be published in the New York Times with the headline stating the end of an era. I would not be his friend after that. Ex- no. Yeah. We're going to get into that. Okay. Perhaps saying sorry for assaulting a woman, maybe saying you were right, I was wrong, women are strong and capable and deserving. Perhaps any one of those responses would have been great. But Semple did none of that. Nope. Even still, Switzer extended a lot of grace to him and gave him a pass. Oof. Better, better, better gal than I am. Ditto. She said of him, quote, I realized Jock Semple was just an overworked race director protecting his event from people he thought were not serious about running. Sure, he was notorious for his bad temper. And sure, he was a product of his time and thought women shouldn't be running marathons. But I wanted to prove him wrong on that point. Thus, it was really Jock who gave me the inspiration to create more running opportunities for women. Almost every day of my life, I thank him for attacking me because he gave me this spark. Plus, he gave the world one of the most galvanizing photos in the women's rights movement. Sometimes the worst things in your life can become the best things, unquote. I'm impressed by her understanding and I praise her for it for sure but i also i putting myself in her shoes would never yeah and and also i mean i'm confident she would have had that spark to create more totally. opportunities for women anyway but i don't want to speak on her experience this, this no, is how she I feels bl- about it i'm not it. blaming her like if i honestly more power to you if you're mm-hmm. able to be that forgiving and understanding of mm-hmm. a person that's fantastic i'm not there <laughs> and she's certainly right that what he did his actions very much created one of the most iconic pictures of the women's rights movement of the 60s and 70s. Totally. Switzer and Semple, they would actually become friends. Mm -hmm. They conducted interviews together over the years, and Switzer even made sure she saw him before he passed away in 1988. She said of this forgiveness that she extended to him, quote, how can you not love somebody who not only changed your life in such a positive way, even though it started off negatively, but changed millions of women's lives, unquote. Again, no. I don't I don't blame her for this opinion. That's fantastic. I wish I was that like understanding of a person mm-hmm. and and like forgiving. And I mean this whole thing, you know, like her quote says, it it certainly did change millions of women's lives. The first year that women were officially allowed to compete, eight women entered and all eight finished. And, you know, to put it in more recent perspective, in twenty twenty two, more than twelve thousand women ran in the Boston Marathon. In 1974, Switzer won the New York City Marathon with a time of three hours, seven minutes, and 29 seconds. The following year, she would run two hours, 51 minutes, and 37 seconds in the Boston Marathon. Switzer would compete in the Boston Marathon a total of nine times, including in 2017, exactly 50 years since that first monumental race. Oh my gosh. What a badass. She is a badass. She was given the same bib number as when she first ran the race, number 261. And at the age of 70 years old, she finished the race in four hours and 44 minutes, which is only 24 minutes slower than her time when she first competed in the race when she was 20 years old. 
What's extra special is on the 50th anniversary of her Boston Marathon race, she had alongside her members of the 261 Fearless Club, a women's empowerment group that Switzer founded and manages whose vision is to, quoting directly from their website, quote, inspire, motivate, and educate women to step up and become leaders to support women of all backgrounds to run and lead healthy, fearless, and empowered lives, unquote. Women made up nearly half the number of total runners in the 2017 Boston Marathon, with over 13,700 of them competing. Following the 2017 Boston Marathon, the Boston Athletic Association announced that they were retiring the bib number 261 so that it would never get assigned to a future runner, but would instead serve in honor of Switzer. So now we, of course, have to see a picture of Switzer at the 2017 Boston Marathon, which, again, she ran at 70 years old. I got to say, she looks great for 70. She looks so amazing. I look that good at 50. I'm doing good. She looks amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, And yeah, she's wearing the bib 261. She looks happy as can be, happy as a clam. I can't imagine what that moment feels like 50 years later. 13,000 other women are running in the race. How does that feel? And you were the first one to ever officially do it. Yep. Switzer was named Female Runner of the Decade by Runner's World Magazine. She is an Emmy Award winner for her work as a television commentator for marathons. She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame in 2011, and she is also an author. To end on a bit of a longer but inspiring quote from Switzer in speaking about those infamous pictures from her assault at the 1967 race, she said, quote, The picture itself became a galvanizing photo that actually is more relevant today than it's ever been. It's ubiquitous, and people use that as a moment that changed history and changed time, how things were and how things could be. Because here was a woman being attacked in a marathon, and 53 years later, 58% of all participating runners in the United States are women. So that is a sea change. And these women are running not because they want to be Olympic athletes. They're running because it gives them a sense of empowerment, destiny, and self-esteem, unquote. I think it's important to end this episode on one final note, and that is to reflect back on Bobby Gibb, the woman that is oftentimes overshadowed in the history of women running in the Boston Marathon. As we discussed earlier, Gibb was actually the first woman to run in the Boston Marathon, although unofficially, in 1966. But she actually ran again in 1967, the same year as the infamous incident involving Switzer. And Gibb actually ran this marathon with a time that was almost an entire hour faster than Switzer. Mm -hmm. But again, she did it without an official race bib. For that reason, it is Switzer whose name is known. And while Switzer's story is so very important, and like she said, the pictures from the incident truly have become some of the most galvanizing and iconic images of the women's movement... I think it's important to once again acknowledge and recognize all women that paved the way. We're at a time now where it's disheartening and it can feel like any change or movement that you make doesn't make a difference. Yeah. But it does. It does. It does. Running a, about running a race. Running a race. Which doesn't seem in a, in and of itself like, I mean, it's obviously impressive in, in a physical sense. <laughs> Completely. But like it, doing the right thing in the right moment mm-hmm. can, me- can mean everything. It can mean everything. So 
you know, do the right thing. (laughs) Do the right thing. Stand up for yourself. Um, You deserve it. You are worthy of it. And I hope that very soon that will be acknowledged and recognized. Yeah. That's all. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will share the pictures that we discussed on this episode to our Instagram and all sources used to put together the episode can be found on our website at hashtaghistory-pod.com. Subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. Share about us with your family and friends and give us a rate and review. And then be sure to check us out on Instagram. We are at hashtag history underscore podcast and on TikTok, uh, occasionally posting on there at hashtag history, all one word. And come join us over on Patreon, where for as little as $1 a month, you can help support our books and booze supply. You also get access to some behind-the-scenes content, weekly hashtag hangout episodes, and automatic 15% off all merchandise. And we mail you cards and stickers. Stickers? stickers. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ooh, I have a lot of food in my stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that first monumental groundbreaking. Breaking. Oh, my God. <laughs> she had when she ran it that first monumental groundbreaking time <laughs> i feel like my spikes are not very high there we go just scream just for the scream. whole rest of the episode yep who is the host of broadly underestimated of the broadly of the broadly under <laughs> it's the tacos <laughs> yeah the tacos got us tipsier than the last drink <laughs> from the men's co- the men's cross country tr- tacos for women that's how you say that right objectable oh i thought you were asking about women uh, that is how you say the word woman right <laughs> objectionable that's how you say it what did i say objectable yeah okay we're really quite so <laughs>